Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome to Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 251. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab globe, spin it around, boom! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And just like you, each of us are on our own spiritual journey. And that's why we're here, and we're on this No Church Answers Tour, and glad that you've joined us. Uh, our No Church Answers 30-minute video show can be streamed on Man Up Spiritual Oasis YouTube page. Subscribe and hit the like button and leave a comment. So, And with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in and introduce the panel at this time. Former world-class policy writer, he is a current professional gambler and the producer of the show, Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, hey Steve. And he is a former prosecutor and attorney. We call him the judge, kind of the group historian, Michael Cropper. And a big deal in corporate training and development, kind of the group theologian. We call him the professor. And he's back with a signed excuse from his wife and boss, the professor, Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a indie producer, but also working as a contractor. And this is a man subject. It is uh, tough for me. It's basically mercy. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off by going to uh, Mr. Steve Titch. So we are going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you can say Good Samaritan to someone who has never read the Bible never opened it, isn't a Catholic, isn't a Christian, uh, but they'll know immediately what you're talking about. It's in the lexicon. It's, a, it's, it's in the cultural language. A good Samaritan is someone who goes out of his way to help somebody. But we're 2,000 years removed from the original story. And uh, while, yes, it does exemplify what we as Christians are supposed to do, um, it's not called the good Judean. Um, it's Jesus specifically used Samaritan as an example. And that's where it goes, where, where we get into the Christian dimension of this. Because otherwise, this is pretty humanistic, the ethics of it. Yes, we are supposed to help someone if, they, if they're in trouble and we have the resources to do what we're going by. We should take the time because he's just another fellow human being. But as I said... It's not the good Judean. It's the good Samaritan. And as we get going, I'm going to talk about that radicalism and as we revisit this. Excellent. Uh, judge. Yeah. Folks, if you've lived around Houston any length of time, <laughs> you've seen people at intersections begging for money. Before the COVID bans, there were people at every intersection. And in our Sunday school class, which Bill directed for more than 10 years, I asked several times, how do we know which persons on the corner really need help? <laughs> right? I, Bill, we talked about that several times. Several times. Bill right. had stated that often he gave money to the people 
and many of them actually got to where they recognized him. He used to drive a white van. Uh, I'm thinking, this is a great question to talk about. After all, if I give money to a heroin addict who's out there on the corner begging for money, I'm supporting his habit. So, and it's God's money, ultimately. So I'm not being a good steward of his money if I am not careful to whom I give it. However, after studying our parable today, uh, I, I'm starting to feel kind of queasy because it starts off with a lawyer asking the question. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm starting to feel like the lawyer at the beginning of the story who asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words, to whom do I have to give my money to, right. to please You're God, right? right? <laughs> I'm asking God. What's the minimum so, to get in? Yes, exactly. What's yeah. the minimum well, that I can get by get and in. still be I, on your A-list, right? I, I think <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it, but I think that was a lawyer trying to set a lawyer trap I for think Jesus. So. And he, and he, I'm 100% convinced of that. And he lost, buddy. Oh, <laughs> did he ever. So anyway, just looking at the people out there on the street and asking you for money, you cannot tell by looking at them who truly deserve it. And who are just out there because that's what they want to do and they don't really want to get a real job. So anyway, so I complained to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know I'll give money to whoever you would like me to give money to, right? Am I supposed to give money to someone who may not need it? One who's milking the system? Uh, and when, when someone takes money from people who are trying to be good providers, that person is actually taking money away from another person who may really need it, right? So... If I do not, if I do not know if the person really needs the money, do I still give them the money, Lord? I'm complaining. <laughs> Remember this, folks. <laughs> so anyway, today's, today's lesson is an extremely famous, famous parable. Folks, I'm going to get it out one way or another here. All right. <laughs> and if you stick around, you're probably going to receive an answer to my, my deep question there. Right. <laughs> anyway, Bill. Professor. So interesting stay brought up because so if you read some textualists those that try to determine what the actual text of the bible says james breach and Don, john dominic croson actually take the levite the priest and the samaritan completely out of it and just a man is what they think mm -hmm. the actual parable may have if been. If it's crossing, I'm not the least surprised. No. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he, Catholic theologian from DePaul. Yeah, I'm just going to... Like, he's, he's got some sketchy... Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, it, but, but mm -hmm. beside the point, Okay. Mm -hmm. I think it's more powerful with, mm -hmm. and it's one of those, I don't think it matters to me. It... it it, it, it doesn't because the answer is, and this is something, this is going to be one of my favorite ones, mm -hmm. because there are Christian, there are non-Christians out there that are treating people better than the Christians are today. And that no. is what this yes. parable, no. that, that's really what this is that, all about. Yes. That, that if you are a follower of Christ, you are to behave in this way. And Samaritan was used because, well, history on the Samaritans. So the Samaritans were thought to be the, ten, the remnant of the ten tribes of Israel. Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, falls to uh, Sennacherib. He deports everybody. He leaves some of them. They're often referred to as the ten lost tribes. 
The Samaritans were thought to be the Jews that remained that then intermarried, that then founded a close, I guess, um, parallel, built a second temple, the whole nine yards, up in Samaria. Interestingly enough, who does Jesus see at the well? A Samaritan woman. So it's it's one of those, there's a lot of tie-ins here that you look at it. But the idea is that, look, if these people are going to treat people like that, then why are you doing it the other way? And, and I think that's the crux of this whole argument, one way or the other way. Is well, the, the Samaritans, uh, actually, when, when they separated, Robert, am I understand correctly, right. the Samaritans are part of the northern tribe of Israel, and they built a worship place so yes. they wouldn't go down to Jerusalem. Right. That king was Correct. became very insecure and said, let's build a place yep. to worship God. And, well, and, and, and then, that's why and they became then, then heretics the or whatever. Whole, then you get the whole, they're, I'm going to use a term, nobody get offended, they're a mixed race because they're not true Jews anymore. Well, that, that's the way the Jews yeah. viewed them. That's oh, yeah. important. That's important yeah. to that's this discussion they, yeah. as we go Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. You know, they they were viewed as mixed race because they were, they had intermarried with all the people that were, Mm -hmm. that moved into that area after the vast majority of them depopulated. And that's where the whole myth of the 10 lost tribes of Israel, no, they didn't come here and become the Mormons, Mm -hmm. FYI. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's where that whole myth comes from, the whole myth of the 10 lost tribes. They were duly hated. Right. Is it just um, as bad or worse than Gentiles with the truth? Worse than Gentiles. Right? They were hated worse. Yeah. Right. right. Read, read okay. And with that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. And this is Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on wine and oil. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You know, Bill, I'm thinking myself, I often see people on the corner and I change lanes to get away <laughs> from So I can start feeling really guilty about oh, dude, this particular I, 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 parable. I do, I do that at parable. times too. But, yeah. but, but this guy, I mean, well, one, and, and, and the idea 
of, of begging is, is, is one thing. This, we know that this, this person who needed help wasn't begging. He definitely really no, needed help. There is a big difference. Yeah. Beaten up, robbed, you know, he's down in his underwear, he, he, I guess. He, yeah, he's probably lying there naked. Um, yeah, either it, that, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, but, but here's, here's where I think it's the, the Samaritan aspect is important. And you, you guys were setting it up. Um, and, and unlike, un, unlike I, I disagree with you, Robert, in that I think it's, it's very important that it, it's a Samaritan. Because as we began to say, the Judeans, the, the Jews of, of Jesus' own community hated the Samaritans. They looked down on them. They were an inferior people. They were half-breeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, were, they were viewed the way in the 30s, the, you know, the southern, southern rurals viewed blacks. They, they were just the other, they were, they were, I'd say them. almost worse. And maybe worse. We, yeah. we, but so, so let's make that clear that, so, we, and, and then we get into exactly what you're saying that, that, that this Samaritan is behaving better than the priest and the Levite. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but underneath that, I mean, aside, aside from, you know, that part of it, what the message is coming across is the question, the question the legal sp- scholar asked is who is my neighbor and if he was trying to trap jesus or what i think i think he was expecting a classic rabbinical legalistic debate of oh is it is it the guy who lives next to me is it the guy who lives too far two doors down how how far out how far out is my and 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 but but this was the legalistic uh uh, Pharisaic discussions that they'd have that Jesus kind of you know really pushed against. So he 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 defines neighbor. If if we look at the if he's if he's using Samaritan as as an example as someone who looks past the the differences, looks past the hatred. I mean there there was if you if you put the shoe on the other foot, there's really no reason for a Samaritan to help out. A, a, a Jew or a Judean, and, and 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 we don't since he may have been lying on the uh, side of the road naked or or you know without his clothes, which would identify probably more likely his rank and his religion. Um, the Samaritan didn't even know, but I think that's the point here: that it's more than just being helping someone who needs help. You know that 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 you know is a good thing. It's. Jesus is saying this is part of his love your enemies. Um, to go, you know, go that extra mile. Literally, that's that was what they meant in that time. You 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 had to walk alongside and help support a soldier for a, a Roman soldier for a mile. Jesus would say, well, you know, go one more mile. That's where we get that that saying comes right from the Bible. But this is another instance of that where really your neighbor isn't just you know the guy next door or your family or your social circle. It's everybody and it includes people you may not like oh it it includes it includes the it it by definition the way jesus defines my neighbor it almost includes the people that disagree with you or the people Mm -hmm. you don't like more than it includes Mm -hmm. your social circle you know, it, it, it's one of those almost oh, to set Bill off. But 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 part of it is and I'm gonna disagree with you on the showing mercy because you show mercy where mercy is deserved. So Jesus did Jesus for all his and and you have to think about 
some dichotomies in Jesus's life. Love my, love your enemies, love your neighbor, you know, do those things. You Pharisees are a bunch of snakes and vipers who are ripping the people off. Excuse me while I tie my robe up, grab the whip, and and chase the money changers out mm-hmm. of the temple. You know, sarcasm. God, mm-hmm. Jesus well, loves sarcasm. He he was my, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to, as Mike likes to say, tweak the Pharisee. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the Sabbath. Let me find somebody to heal in front of a Pharisee. <laughs> That's Just right. To, Let me find but, somebody but, to heal. But it's yeah. almost... There's some dichotomy in Jesus's life, mm-hmm. but the dichotomy exists in very specific instances. The downtrodden, the unfortunate, those that don't have any mm-hmm. any way, he shows them mercy and love and care. Those who are taking advantage of others, who are in power and have usurped that power, you know, and it wasn't all the Pharisees, by the way. Notice him and Nicodemus got along pretty good. You know, but the ones who tried to put themselves above, mm-hmm. that's the one Jesus went after. And I am always suspicious of, and I'm, I'm just going to stay with business leaders. I can't mm-hmm. stand business leaders who, you know, are told, you know, I had a, I had, I was asked to interview for a manager position at the time. And the company where I was working had mandatory overtime. And I said, I can't do it. I have small kids. And if my department has mandatory overtime, I'm not going to leave my people there doing the work because I have to go home to pick up my kids. Well, as the manager, you really wouldn't have to stay. What in your head even told you that was an okay thing? Because... Okay, y'all stay in work. I'm going to go home and take care of my family, but you're stuck here. That is not the message. And I think that's the message, and, and I'm tying it back to the corporate world now. That's the message Jesus is preaching against. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is podcast number 251. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manup.com media.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back, everybody. We're uh, talking about the, uh, the Good Samaritan story and uh, it's always been kind of hard for me because uh, I don't know if any of you out there have taken those spiritual tests, uh, those spiritual gift tests. And I have several times. And they all come back the same. 
I'm really high in encouraging, but I score low in mercy. Or in other words, I'll encourage you to try something, but if you fail, I'll have no mercy well, well, on well, you. Well, listen, but you would still <laughs> stop. and you, if, you would st- if you saw somebody wrecked on the side of the road, you, oh, would, yeah. you would stop to help. Oh, yeah. no, no so question that's about what, it. I mean, remember, that's... And, and, but, but the thing about it is, I think also uh, there's a real distinction, and uh, one of you fellas, I'm not going to give Mike credit for this one, but uh, he maybe he said it, but the real need, you, you know what I'm saying? I, in a way, sometimes I do have a problem when I see people... Uh, begging on the on the freeway and and I do I'll admit if I just don't for some reason or other I just don't feel like giving whatever I'll go a lane over but then there's sometimes and there's this one guy who begs over by my house and I'll buy him food and sometimes I stop out and I just talk to him just for the heck of it and I don't ask him I don't get in his life how'd you get here whatever I ask him how the weather is how the traffic been You've been making money, and I, we just l- kind of laugh and stuff. I mean, and I think that's part of it about being engaged in the people's life. And there's, believe me, there's a lot of things out there I write a check to because my wife wants me to, and it's going to make her feel good, whatever. But I think this particular story to me says be engaged in your surroundings. I mean, well, it's, it's you being know. engaged I, in your I, surroundings yeah. and being engaged <laughs> with the people who need help. And by the way, since we've talked about it multiple times, I will, I will say the Star of Hope in Houston, which is the long-running uh, men's um, homeless men ministry here in Houston, they will tell you not to give money. They have a recommended pack that you put together because the money does tend to get used for alcohol and drugs versus yeah. food. But they do have quite. They have a recommended pack, and if you are safe, and I used to keep some in my car and give them away, I would never let my wife do it because you know I'm strange that way. And I happen to know a lot of our mental illness that's out there is caused by or homelessness. My apologies, is caused by mental illness, and so sometimes you're you're not sure what's going to happen, you know. So I would not encourage my wife to do it. But but I'll say that is a way you can show mercy if someone's asking about, you know, since we've talked about it. That is recommendation. Go on their website, Star of Hope Ministries. They'll tell you what the pack is. Mike. Yeah, the, 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 the real definition here, the real picture Jesus is showing is what is love, right? Yes. Not so much who your neighbor is. What is love? And that's, that's uh, we, to me, money is an easy way of getting out of it. I can give money to charities, right? I can give money to the guy on the corner. Oh, they look really poor this week, so or they look really in bad shape this week, so give them money. But but what he's really asking you to do is give of yourself. And, mm. and he says this um, in Matthew, and, and, and all of you know this, and the guys have talked about this, 5, 44 through 48, he says, he says, but I tell you, first of all, you have heard it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm telling you different. He says, love your enemy. Steve addressed this early. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. This fits in with the Samaritan here that we're talking about. And the fact is that you may be sons of your heavenly, your Father in heaven, for he makes his son, this is, this is very interesting, he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good 
and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And boy, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, folks, that, that, I mean, he blesses mm-hmm. both. It says he blesses both. But, it, you know, it's it, interesting. Well, well, this is the second second week in a row. We looked last week. We, we, we talked about the, the, the seeds and, and, um, and I guess two weeks ago we talked about foundations. And again, in, in that story, they, they, Jesus, the story is when the wind comes, when the storm comes, not if, when. Yeah. Likewise here, here's something bad happens to somebody. They get, they get robbed. Um, and it's, it's, but, but to speak to what you're saying, here's, here's where that action comes in. And this, is, this really should speak to men because he, does, he, he doesn't just hop in. The, the Samaritan, you know, bind, t- takes care of the guy, binds the guy's wounds, he's, he's beat up, gives him some first aid, as we might call it, gets him on his donkey, takes him to the next town or wherever, takes him to the next inn, or they get to where they're going. He, the, the Samaritan is on his own business trip. He's got an agenda here, but he's already taking time out. He's not, you know, looking at his watch saying, ah, I got to be in Jerusalem by two. Yeah. Um, he, and you know, I got to because that you know, I'm meeting those guys. It's a big deal. He takes the time out and uh, gets the guy to an inn, makes sure he's taken care of, makes the deal with the innkeeper, pays him in advance, says yeah. you know, and I'm good for the rest. And 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 so he he really goes extra. Not he, well, he goes an extra, but he goes. He, he, I won't exactly say goes completely out of his way because that's part of the story. He doesn't he doesn't throw his whole agenda out. But he carves out the time, and if he's a little late for his appointment, and there was a different culture then, maybe because it, it didn't matter. He saw somebody who needed his help, and he just he he, he gave a hundred percent. He didn't just say, you know, here's here's some money, here's some food. Up, uh, maybe the next guy along will get you down. He took res- maybe that's what I'm looking for. He took responsibility for that injured fellow. It's well, and, and and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna jump on something yeah. you yeah. said. This is a guy on a business trip. Mm-hmm. You know how we know that? He's got his he's got nope. his donkey with him. No, nope. his... not at all. The innkeeper knew who he was. was. Uh, yes. He mm-hmm. stopped yes. often at that inn. Mm-hmm. So I think it's even more important because this guy's on a business trip, and if you've ever traveled for business, you know this. Outside of maybe having an evening where you can go do something, or if you spend a weekend or maybe a day, business trips not conventions and things like that but like i'm going somewhere to do work Mm -hmm. business trips by and large are balls to the wall 12 to 14 hour days because you're trying to Mm -hmm. accomplish a lot of stuff while you're Mm -hmm. on your trip so this guy really didn't have the time Mm -hmm. to sit and do all of this this is Mm -hmm. you know he could have easily have looked over the side said man that's going to take me 30 minutes to load him up i'm going to be an hour late getting in you know Mm -hmm. That's going to throw my whole schedule behind, you know, based on this. Then, then I'm going to st- then he stays a couple of days. Then he gives up some of his money, mm-hmm. which, by the way, two denarii was a good sum of money back in that day. And he tells the innkeeper, who obviously knew him, "Hey, and when I'm back through, if he, if I if you need more, let me know." Mm-hmm. And yeah. well, Robin, it's a good point. Uh, he did. He may have passed the first in and gone to the second or third. Where they knew him, yes, for that right, you, right? you would have yeah. had to do that yeah. for the person to know you and for him to trust you and for you to trust them too. So, so we don't know how far he went out of the way to help the guy. But not mm-hmm. only did he just go out of the way, we know he helped him and we know we spent time with him 
And then it takes time to bandage a person up. We don't know how wounded he was, but they left him for dead. Right? Oh, yeah. Or yeah, half well, dead, whatever and, it is. And yeah. he spent expensive mm-hmm. and he spent expensive things to fit, boil him up because he poured wine and oil on him, which, by the way, wine oh, and yes. oil is oh, that's, that's an antiseptic right. alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. So. That's extremely expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, a lot of the story, though, um, obviously, I, I don't take that kind of time um, to do things to help people. But um, I can tell you, and, and oftentimes we talk about um, the Christian life and the Christian rules and the kind of the stories and talk about man applications and stuff. I was riding with one of my kids the other day, and there was a beggar on the street, and they rolled down the window and gave him money and didn't even talk to me about it. And so that, to me, just shows that the habits that I have cultivated, my, my kids get it. And, and it almost convicted me because I know how little money I had when I first moved out. And the fact that they're actually doing that. And it just cheers me up. And I think sometimes we lose sight of it. That, you know, when you're helping somebody, you're the face of God to them. Because they don't expect it. It's, you know, they they don't necessarily deserve it. And you know what? There's times in my life I haven't deserved it either. <laughs> well, and but what you just said is a legacy of service. And I think that's something, you know, this past weekend we had our barbecue. Mike came up and helped cook. I was on the pit all weekend, but on Sunday when it came time to serve up, mm-hmm. you saw me, I had on not a Williams, not a, sorry, Sugar Land. I didn't have a Sugar Land Baptist mm-hmm. Church apron on. I had a St. Timothy's mm-hmm. Episcopal Church apron mm-hmm. because it was my dad's who did oh. their barbecue for 30 years. But it, it is a legacy, and I think that becomes part of it. As you model this type of behavior, and and I think that's partially where we went sideways mm-hmm. as Christians, and we can kind of direct this a little bit. We got so focused on the culture war issues that we started equating the culture stuff we didn't agree with with the person, and we may have said it the right way. But our actions didn't show it, and that's what a younger generation picked up on, and that's why they're rebelling so hard against the church to a certain extent, because they have seen us, well, we have to love our neighbors, and we have to do this, and then we're going out and yelling and screaming Mm -hmm. in someone's face about their sin. You know, we're not showing love and compassion to them. And I think they picked that group, that that younger generation that has left the church, Mm -hmm. They have picked up on our hypocrisy, as it were, and they are learning that we have failed on one level. And now it's time for us as Christians, and I think as Christian men, it's our turn to jump out and lead Mm -hmm. in this. And and I love love Steve's analogy. I was just reading it, and I'm going to read it because I loved it. In today's terms, it would be as if a Baptist pastor of an Alabama church retold this parable, but the Good Samaritan was a gay man on the way to the gay pride parade. <laughs> or, to give equal time here, it would be a Methodist minister in San Francisco made the Good Samaritan to be the guy with the pickup truck, gun rack, and a MAGA hat 
and and honestly, both of those pastors would be out of a job Monday morning. If not Sunday afternoon. If not Sunday afternoon. If not the deacon sitting to the side as we walk out of church, Pastor, come here. But 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 that's literally what it is. And and you know, we have we have forgot that. That's 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 what I mean. That's how you have to see this parable mm-hmm. to really get the radicalism of what Jesus was doing and how provocative this this was mm-hmm. to choose a Samaritan. I'm looking at uh, verse 46, 7, and 8. I was re- uh, reading to you folks earlier, Matthew mm-hmm. uh, 5, 46, 47, 46. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? He brings in another issue here completely to illustrate his, fo- his point, folks. Um, if you love fam- family members, if you know your neighbor, if you love them, and, other, and, and I say love, you are kind to them. You give them things, your neighbor, your family members. You're not doing anything that's representing the kingdom of heaven other than what a normal individual would do. Uh, a, a non-Christian would do this to his family. If he's half a decent person, he'll love his family. He'll even be kind to his neighbors and help them. Um, and Jesus is very, very blunt about it. Says, if, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors, look who he uses, <laughs> do the same thing. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors greet their friends too. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Do the things to the people that your enemies, and Steve made that so blunt earlier, folks. You, you don't just choose who you're going to help you help everybody and especially and Jesus making the point here again that you guys have said and that's simply your enemy be enemy may be the one you're going to help and don't even think about it just do it well and the cameras don't have to be on yeah and uh, very good point because <laughs> I've been at loaves and fishes <laughs> the soup kitchen when some of the politicians will come oh, in. Man. Oh, and absolutely. They'll, and then, and they'll yeah. hand out a plate, you know, the cameras, and they'll smile, and they'll hug somebody, and then they leave. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they might have they might have dropped off a big check. Mm-hmm. And that, and I get that. That's certainly needed. I, I guess I mean, it's the man application really here is this. I guess to me anyway about the good samaritan because i i hate talking about this story because it it kind of convicts me you know about how many opportunities i go by but the thing about it is be generous in your lane you know be comforting and neighborly i mean and be and 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 in your lane there is a there is a lane for you um in my lane is i i kind of like the people that are basically around me you know, in the area that, and like you brought up, like the the MAGA hat and the gay pride parade and stuff, and that kind of stuff. I mean, that isn't typically around me. I'm not going to seek that out because I don't want to be on Pig Farmer magazine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody got this air and you didn't get the shot. No, man, I don't want that. I just, you just do it in your own lane well, in your own it, it, way it's do it in it's do it to it's do it to the people and and i think this is another thing it's the priests and the levites let's let's talk about them okay. for a little bit just because it's fun who wait and then we'll come back okay okay and with that we're going to go ahead and take a quick break this is podcast number 251 we'll be right back 
Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Not as easy as one might think it is. And I'm going to go back to the professor. So, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the, the priests and the Levi that are involved in this story. Because the priests and the Levi would do just what Bill said. They would make a big show of walking up to the beggar in the temple court and giving him a penny. You know, the entourage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But 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 it goes back to what Bill is saying. Mm -hmm. You take care of those. He's saying in your lane, you take care of those people in your circle of influence. Mm -hmm. You know, it it it. And don't get me wrong. I love mission trips out of the country. I love mission trips when we go to Africa. Mm -hmm. I love when we go to Greece. I love when we do all of that. That is important. I love the fact that we have a long-standing relationship with Mexico. Our church is also very good about doing local ministry stuff. And I, I don't like the churches that put a big deal on, look what we're doing out in Africa and blah, blah, blah. But did you go down the street to the homeless mm-hmm. guys in your neighborhood, or did you do enough to exclude them that now your church has failed? Part of the reason a lot of the inner city First Baptist churches failed is or back in the day and have now moved out to the suburbs. Houston's a good example. Um, is because th- there for a long period of time, they neglected the people around them, and they were too busy trying to minister to the rich people out there. You know, and that's one of the things that I hope our church never does. We've been we are a very blessed church. We are a at worst upper middle class church. <laughs> At worst, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we have, you know, not everybody that goes here is rich by far, trust me. <laughs> but we have, we have, people in our church have resources. And, but we still treat those without resources equally. And I think that's one of the cries that you're seeing is that people are giving special attention, you know. And I think the priests and Levi, they, they would beg on that, you know. They're going to go do this. They're going to go treat the celebrity, you know. <laughs> but uh oh, Mike's sighing. He's got a point. <laughs> oh, oh no, I'm not. I, I thought I'd bring up something the author brought up, folks. Okay. This, were you through? Yeah. We no. think, my apologies. Uh, this, folks, this is a little bit off the point we're discussing <laughs> here. But I thought it was humorous, so I got. I've got to bring it to you. The author brings up what Steve raised earlier. Uh, the person, the victim of the robbery, that's that is the focus and the target of the Good Samaritan was traveling between Jericho and Jerusalem, okay? And that's a matter of, I think, 2,300, 2,300, uh, 3,700 foot 
from one mm-hmm. level to the other. Jerusalem is 2,300 foot above sea level. Jericho is 1,300 foot below sea level. And the, the distance is only 17 miles. Now, the author brings up a little point here. He says, he says, when you go down that path, it's winding and curved turns. There's plenty of places for robbers to hide and, and for you to be taken advantage of on that particular road. And he says, uh, now, folks, this is what got me after reading these good things about the author. He says, today, the only robbers on the road are the little Bedouin kids who in charge you $3 to take a picture of them and $5 if you want to sit on their camel. I just thought that, was, folks, that's, that's an aside, but it's, it's absolutely hilarious where the author thinks that, that these Kids cannot be our neighbors no matter what happens. Can you imagine, <laughs> okay. can you imagine that drop-off? I've never been there. But a the, mile in like 15 miles, you could probably skateboard down there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. That, They're hard surface. Yeah, that no, would no be question. Awesome. No question. Yeah. But no, <clears throat> and I, as we're coming down to the end of the... It's 1,100 feet per mile. <clears throat> That's pretty steep. That's pretty steep. That'll work your calves mm-hmm. on the way up. That'll, that's for sure. As we're coming down to the end of the Good Samaritan story, um, I, you know, I want to get the, the fellows some basic takeaways. But my, my takeaway, though, um, is, is this. <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't really question people, and I don't really necessarily judge them. Uh, a lot of it is if the if the light is quick, you know, maybe I'm missing out on this one. Sorry, my man, but I get the next one, you know, and I, I understand that there's need out there and there's regular need that I see. I think people, and when I talk about the Good Samaritan, there are boundaries and you, when you get them, I don't feel bad about having that as my boundary. I don't. I not anymore. I mean, I've come to grips with it. I felt kind of bad about it at first, but you know what? I, I'll, I will live gratefully, compassionately, and and I will and I will give too. Steve. No. Yes. I mean, and and we see the Samaritan did have boundaries. I mean, the Samaritan didn't take the guy with him all the way. He he did get he did set the accommodations. He didn't he didn't throw out his entire schedule. Uh, he just he just accommodated him the best he could and 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 did very well. But as a takeaway, I'll say this because I I got in a situation um, oh years ago years ago I was going when I lived in Kansas City, which is years ago. We're now talking eighty mid eighties. I was on a little adventure in Iowa during the week during the winter. I was going from Kansas City to uh, Chicago, and I foolishly in winter went the northern route on I-90 instead of going southerly through Missouri and up. <laughs> and what I were got, you thinking? Uh, what was I thinking? <laughs> so that's what that's what that's what somebody could have said. You know, what were you what were you thinking of? You know, walking along Jericho alone by yourself, and you're fine. <laughs> so, and I had my little my, my nice Toyota Celica, uh, a bit beat up. And uh, it was, and then it began to snow. It was pretty snowing, pretty hard, and the and the highway was was getting slippery. And I, uh, I guess it must have been the one slight downhill in Iowa, <laughs> where <laughs> I, <laughs> where I felt a little little. We were getting a little too much speed, and I shouldn't have applied the brakes, but I did, and I was skidded out. But I wasn't the only person who did that. But there was this, there were these 
people in a pickup truck, probably locals, going along the highway and pulling people out just off the side of the road. Um, I just, you know, waited your turn. And I, that, I don't know if they came out to do that. I, I think you, it, you, that, that, that double, coming out in that kind of weather to do that is, 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 is you know, get, get double ranks, double stars in heaven. Or if they, were, if they too were on their way and had the means to help people, but they were pulling people out, uh, and I got out of a ditch in the middle of a snowstorm because of them. And on the other side of this thing, the, the opportunity to help people doesn't come along that often. Um, I mean, we, we, I mean, I'm going beyond the, the the homeless and giving money on the street. Really, really, somebody in True. distress who who True. needs who needs a degree of your time, who, need, who actually requires more than just handing out some money. Right. Really, and and you can ima- I can imagine myself on a business trip. Am I going to have time to do this? Am I going to you know? Should I miss you oh, know? I would most <laughs> definitely have thought that. Um, you know, it, uh, I mean, you know, I've got, I've got to get to the airport. You know, this day and age, but I, as you said, it's probably a different time, but different, same, same sort of pressing situations. Got to get my food to the market. Got to get, you know, got to get it before it closes. All that sort of thing that was going through this guy's how head. How do we know the wine and the oil weren't his market? Yes, goods? that that's a that's a that's a. I, I had that thought while you were talking, um, and he used some of it out of his yeah, stock for exactly. this. Exactly. So, the, so that's I guess. Yes, the story does convict you because you think back, Absolutely. you know, I wish I had. Sometimes I just don't have the resources. But I guess that's the thing to think of when, 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 that, that oppor- when that opportunity comes or when that situation comes when somebody truly needs your help, maybe that's the time to truly t- tie us in, to man up and to say, heck, I, I, I've, no matter, you know, whatever I'm doing, it's not as important as helping this person at this time because they really need some help and assistance to get out of the predicament they're in. Right. Michael Cropper, a takeaway from you. How yeah. do we know if they really need it? We need it <laughs> <laughs> really I think that's the case. I think that's the case. Whenever I started driving, I was 16, and, uh, and, and Steve brings back memories, and gosh, I can remember when my car broke down on the side of the freeway, uh, the first person to stop was a black man. Immediately, within one minute, mm-hmm. uh, in 30 seconds, they would stop behind me. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for several people. When I saw them mm-hmm. off to the side of the road, or even on the freeway, I'd stop mm-hmm. on the side of the road to see if I could help them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, a couple of times, I even went and got gasoline for them because they had mm-hmm. run out of gas. But you uh, made the comment, I don't know that we should do that today, folks. I don't know that you want to help somebody. You see car accident. Maybe if you see a car accident, stop and see if you can help the people. But if you see some people, people who are involved in road rage, I would mm-hmm. suggest to you strongly not to get involved with it if one of them has a wreck there, especially if the other car hangs around. But because they might be shooting at each other. But yes, Bill made a point. When today, when we have children, when we have a family. We do have a responsibility outside ourselves that we have to take care of. If it's just me, yes, I can stop and I can take a chance and see if I can help them. But if I have little children, if I have my wife and children, I would say use wisdom. And Bill asked me about wisdom. I would say use wisdom in what you do and how far you go to help the person. And sometimes it, it may be better to just call 911 and call a police car or call the police department and say, look, I see a problem here on the side of the road, on the side of the freeway. 
right? And, uh, and that's what they want you to do. They want you to call them. Now, if there's a wreck and you see cars have an accident running a red light or something, I would say to stop. Yes, if you can, and see if you can help or assist. But they also call the police. Oh, yes. So, but, right. But sometimes you just call 911 and stay there until... Yeah, yeah. That's, exactly. That's, um, exactly. Yeah, no. So the question, yeah, that I raised the first of it, folks, uh, I read an article today, and it said very clearly, and, and we talked about giving to people, homeless people at the intersection. This article was, don't give money to beggars because they will not want to work. You are depriving mm-hmm. them of... Well, uh, no, no, wait, wait. Go no, ahead. I'll no, let no, you finish because yeah, and you yeah, guys yeah. go around. I do have because, a thought yeah, on that. But. But, but, no, there were many comments that mm-hmm. bashed him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, many comments back. And, uh, and, and there are many question comments. And, and, and isn't an, uh, the question that I asked was, it isn't efficient use of my money to give money to the, to the beggars? Or would it be better for me to give... A, a small gift card to them from McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. Or give money to mm-hmm. people who are actually working with the homeless mm-hmm. out on the street. And HPD actually has some people that work with homeless. And and Bill or Robert, one of you mentioned the fact that many of the homeless people do have mental issues, right? Mm-hmm. So to, to accuse every one of them of just being lazy and being mm-hmm. out there because uh, they don't want to work is not correct. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yes, use wisdom, folks. I, I, I think it's always a good opportunity to, uh, to try to help somebody if you see them in need, if it's within your capability, right? One, one thing before you go to Robert. Sure. I will say go because ahead. Go ahead. I, I had a discussion with a guy with my, my, my former church, but he, he was kind of almost completely the opposite. He basically said, if someone needs money, I'm giving it to them because that's what I'm supposed to do. It's not up to me what he does with it. And, you know, that's between him and God. I am, I am, he, he felt he was following that, a yeah. commandment. Now, I mean, I see, and, and, it, yes. and, and he didn't worry about, you know, this is going to be used on drugs. Now, I, I'm kind of in between. I said the best thing to do is have a kid or have yeah. something other than cash, water, food, something that will, will be sustainable. But go ahead, Robert. Yeah, and, and well, I was going to say, but in one point of view here is that, Heck, it's not for me to say. It's so, he needs my help. Period. Uh, when, yeah. when I was involved with HPD officers in my mm-hmm. job, uh, they said the best thing you can do to help a person is take them to Star of Hope, mm-hmm. which one of you mm-hmm. brought yeah. up earlier? Which is a okay. Samaritan type often, thing. Yeah. I'll take you somewhere. So I said mm-hmm. I offered to take my time, which would take an hour. I offered a couple of them. I said, "Can I take you to Star of Hope?" But they don't so want they that don't, well, that's, because yeah. you're going to be disciplined there. Uh-huh. You're going to be in limited but what you can buy with the funds uh-huh. you get, which means you have to work for those funds, right? Yep. And, 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 and so there's times yeah. when so they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. That's yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm saying yeah, you can't just force them there. But yeah, um, yeah. but it's yeah. There's so many things. I, I understand your friend's point. Mm-hmm. And, and I struggle with mm-hmm. it too, and and because that's a legitimate argument. I just from talking to the people that have worked with homeless for years, mm-hmm. that tends mm-hmm. to be it. They want they really need two things. They need the first thing Bill's talked about, which is discussion, love, and care, and then they need help getting to the next step. Mm-hmm. And sometimes giving them just cash infringes on that mm-hmm. next step. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wrap up with this, Paul. You know, everybody talks about Bible contradicts itself. Does it really? <laughs> 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. And I'm just going to go through uh, 3. 
and most people, this is always thought of as this is the love chapter. We're gonna hear it in oh. in weddings. Yep. I want you to listen to it in light of this story. Mm-hmm. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. The priest and the Levite were the ones who would brag that I had the faith that can move a mountain. It's my job to keep the temple holy and perform the services at the temple. If I'm the priest, I'm doing the sacrifices. But did they have love? And I think that's where these, where, you know, Jesus in his parables laid out his theology. And his theology was, you love those within your path as you cross them to meet the needs for where they are at that moment. That's what we're called to do as men. Excellent. And with that, this has been the story of the Good Samaritan. And just remember, you're called to be a Good Samaritan. You don't have to be great. (laughs) And with that, uh, my name is Bill Cox. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. And thanks so much for our supporters and sponsors. And on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, my name is Bill Cox. And make sure that uh, you go to man-upspiritualoasis.com. And if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or post it there, too. Also, if you're unable to attend a church, check out the Sugarland Baptist streaming services on Facebook, YouTube, sugarlandbaptist.org, and start Sunday at 945. And we want to encourage you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, Adult Bible Fellowship, ABF, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. If there is one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.